Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi joining us here on a special edition of the Piffles podcast. Mr. Ambrosi, thanks for your time. Yeah, it's great to be with all three of you. Now, first off, if we were to have some sort of 2020 season, when's the latest that you can announce that? Is there a, a date in mind that a final decision can be made? You know, it's, uh, it's an interesting question. And, you know, we've been looking at it through a slightly different lens. We're, we're looking at... Um, we're looking at it really through the, the view of when, you know, when will we have enough information from which to base a, to which to base a decision? And I think the answer today is that, that we simply don't. We don't know enough about uh, what the provinces are going to do at this point. Uh, you know, we've, we're still having ongoing discussions with uh, the healthcare experts. Um, lots of, you know, lots of unanswered questions. So for the time being, uh, you know, we're not in a rush to make our to make a decision. We, you know, we we know for sure at some point we'll have to we'll have to make a call on uh, 2020. But for now, we think the best thing to do is keep gathering information and exercise some patience. And uh, and at some point, I think we'll know that uh, we we know enough to go one way or another. Now, former CFL commissioner Bill the Undertaker Baker, people in here in Saskatchewan will know him very well. Uh, said that if we do have a 2020 season, having no final Grey Cup location until, you know, a week before um, is just crazy. And he says there needs to be a determined location beforehand in terms of planning. How would you respond to that? Uh, well, first of all, I was always glad that I didn't have to play against Bill uh, because he earned his, uh, he earned his nickname uh, uh, the honest way. Um, yeah, this is different, but I think we can all appreciate that we're in a completely uh, different world. Uh, this this year for all of us uh, from, you know, from coast to coast to coast has just been, um, you know, really turned upside down. Uh, this format, the one that we're that we're talking about, uh, the host and win has been used in a lot of sports. And in fact, uh, you know, it's used in it's used in hockey and uh, the MLS uses it. It just felt to us that if you're going to go to a, a unique, uh, you know, strategy for Grey Cup, this would be the this would be the year you would do something different. You know, quite honestly, I, I'm I can't wait to go back to you know to the standard format. I can't wait to go back to Hamilton 2021 and and of course uh, Regina 2022. But it just seemed like the most the most logical thing to do for what has uh, been a year that's been completely turned upside down. Now you mentioned Hamilton 2021 and Saskatchewan 2022. Was there ever a thought to having Saskatchewan roll into 2021 or, or was it always right from the get go when 2020 was done that we would just skip ahead and, and keep Hamilton as they were? You know, Stephen, the answer is we haven't, we didn't spend a lot of time on it because then you would have been disrupting two Grey Cups. 
instead of disrupting one. And it just felt like us, uh, felt to us that the best thing to do would be disrupt one. And, uh, and, and look, everyone wants to come back to, to Regina and Saskatchewan for the 2022 game. But really, a lot of the credit, a, a lot of the credit has to go to, to you know, Greg, pardon me, Craig uh, and, and, uh, and Randy and Greg Ewell and the Riders Board for really helping us think this through. And they were very magnanimous and thought, you know, gosh, we're, we're, we can't have the kind of Grey Cup that everyone would expect the Riders to host. Then um, they were very gracious in accepting the 2022 solution. And the latest on the $150 million ask, uh, have you talked to the PA and how will the players be compensated if it comes to that? Yeah, we haven't, uh, you know, we haven't, there is no real update on the 150. Look, the conversation with the government is ongoing and, um, you know, quite no one ever thought, uh, never for a day did we think that a check for $150 million was going to show up in, in the CFL bank account. Uh, that number, by the way, was always based on like literally almost everything going wrong, not just in 2020, but in 2021 as well. So, you know, from through that lens, the number is a little bit of a misnomer and didn't accurately reflect what we really were talking about. What we said is we've got to try to get through this crisis and, uh, and land on our feet so that we can continue to you know, grow and build this great game of ours. Uh, you know, that the conversations with the PA are, are ongoing. You know, how, how could we? And, and, and there are a couple of interesting ideas for how the players might participate in current government programs. We're talking with the players. I gave Brian uh, my personal word that if there is a way to figure that out, that we would do that together and we would uh, make every effort to try to, you know, try to accommodate the players. Uh, Greg, the truth is we're in a, uh, and I'm sure you've heard the word, you know, many, many times, we're in an unprecedented situation. And there are businesses of almost every description imaginable across Canada and around the world that are in a crisis, and we're no different. Uh, look, we're going to try to fight our way through this and, and how, and, and try to the best of our ability to work with the players to, uh, to look after them. You know, I, I, I'd share this with the three of you. Something that my wife and I talk about quite frequently is Barb reminds me what it would have been like for us, what it would have been like for us to be expecting to go to training camp, whether that, whether that was our, my first season in 1985 or my fifth season in, uh, in you know, 1990. Uh, she said it would have been hard for us because you're kind of counting on you know, getting, you know, getting to training camp and, and getting those game checks. And I try to remember that every day. I try to remember that uh, I was in, in their shoes. And, you know, how do we, how do we get something uh, right for the players still yet to be determined? But I, I wake up every day hoping that we can find a solution. Now, with this ask, will privately owned teams be need to open their books in order to, to get this funding? Yeah, Alex, the answer is, uh, I, I simply don't know. Uh, first of all, what the government has asked us to do um, is look at some of the existing programs that they've already put into place. So the government has been creating uh, strategies, uh, uh, loan programs in particular, 
and uh, and we are you know we are looking at that you know it is not lost on us and uh, and you know the fact of the matter is we we know that whether it's the federal government in Ottawa or the provincial governments including Premier Mo in um, in Saskatchewan they're dealing with an overwhelming crisis uh, it is something we've never seen in our lifetime and I dare say the four of us would agree we'd never like to see it again once we get through it. Uh, we've got to be patient. We have to look for solutions of our own. I think it's only fair that we try to do as much as we can on our own. You know, something I've, I've talked about, uh, you know, very openly is that this crisis has in some ways uh, only served to remind us where our weaknesses are. And for a game that we all love so much and, and a game that is, I believe, the best football played in the world, we have, a, we have a responsibility to try to, you know, use this crisis to our advantage, if you can call it that, to reflect on how do we build a better business model? How, how do we create a better platform so that when the crisis passes, we can look forward to a much better, bigger, stronger CFL? And I think we have to use this time, pause for a moment and, and ask ourselves, you know, how, how is it that we are in, in uh, you know, in the, in the predicament that we're in and what changes should we make and could we make that will make us stronger for the future? So it's, uh, you know, I, I actually am very encouraged by the, the discussions that we're having internally around how and what we need to do to make sure that we're not only having a great cup in 2022 in Regina, but we're having great cups in 23 and 24 and 29 and 30 and 35 and, and, and beyond. That's ultimately the responsibility that we bear. Now you mentioned business models. Has there been any discussion on what kind of changes going forward the, the league and the owners would like to make that would help make it more, um, uh, what's the word? Can't think of the right word off the top of my head, but more, survive better in a situation like this? Yeah. yeah, well, you know, you you start with the most basic of principles. Um, it's always better when your revenues are higher than your expenses. Okay, so just, I mean, you really don't need to go to Harvard. Uh, the U of S and University of Regina have perfectly good business schools, and they could probably teach you that on day one, that, uh, that uh, you know, revenue, better, revenue that exceeds expenses is a better model. I think we have to look at everything across the board, you know, how our teams operate, how the league office operates. You know, we went through a period where we saw some pretty good revenue increases through our friends uh, and our partnership with TSN. And somehow, uh, you know, we just got, we grew bigger. We, we maybe bloated a little bit. Uh, and now we have to look at that. We have to, we have to figure out what is the right size of our business across the country. Um, how do we create uh, more revenue growth? How do we work with our partners, the coaches and our football operations partners and the players to create a revenue growth strategy that is sustainable? How do we really harness the power of our 2.0 strategy? And I think we're really, it, interestingly enough, we're really looking at an opportunity for 3.0. And uh, just like software upgrades, uh, you know, this is maybe our time to upgrade our software and to build a bigger, stronger CFL. Because I don't know about you, but I, I'm, I'm missing, 
I'm missing the fact that we're not at training camp right now. And I, and I want to get back to CFL football. I want to get back to this league being, having the potential to become the biggest global football league in the world. But in order to do that, we got to survive the crisis. And, and then we got to build a business model that is going to allow us the breathing, we, breathing room we need to get where we want to go. Because that kind of, that kind of strategy uh, for growth doesn't happen overnight. So you got to get your model right. And going on with that, uh, rebuilding the uh, financial model of the CFL, um, there's been a lot of criticism both by the politicians and some in the media about how everything was handled on that initial ask, I guess. Uh, is there anything you would do differently going back and looking at it? Well, Greg, the truth is, uh, I think there's always room to do things to do things differently. There's always a lesson to be learned in everything that we do. Uh, you know, look for for my for my lens. If I was to be, you know, if if I reflect on this uh, thoughtfully, I never want to let my governors down. I never want to let the teams down. I I want to be one step ahead rather than one step behind. Look, what we did in respect of this, and the criticism is fine. Um, what we did is we just wanted the government to understand our situation. We wanted them to know that there was a crisis not caused by ourselves. It was not a, uh, even for the weirdest conspiracy theorists, and there are many out there, I don't think any one of them has suggested that this was cooked up in a CFL laboratory. Although I got to say, reading the newspapers today, that could be coming at some point as well. Uh, but this wasn't a problem of our making. We, this was inflicted on us. And obviously, not having a chance to play, not having a chance to have our players come to training camp is not a decision we would have made on our own. Yeah, these are decisions being made, and rightfully so. But, uh, but the fact of the matter is, we wanted the government to know that we, we were facing a crisis. But Greg, the truth is, if I could go back, I would do it better simply because that's my responsibility to the governors and to the teams. And I, I never want to be in a position where I haven't represented them to the very best of my abilities. And I think in this case, I don't think I, I, don't think I did as well as, uh, as, as the team deserved me to do. Now there's a lot of talk about hub cities and can you know Regina, can Vancouver, and Winnipeg host a, a CFL season in a hub city. Where is the CFL in terms of discussions on that happening right now? Yeah, Alex, the answer is we're looking at it. You know, we are, we are seriously looking at that as, a, as an option. And, you know, we haven't reached any conclusions to be sure, but it is something that we're investigating. And, uh, you know, I should tell you, there's lots of moving parts because it is, it is much more difficult. You know, I, I think, you know, if I, if I had the luxury and, and a, I'm, I'm a sports fan, like, like, like all of you are, I'm a sports fan. And boy, if I could have a sport where there were only five guys on the court or on the field at a time, it would be a far easier thing to figure out. But obviously our teams are big and, uh, and the, just the size of the, just the size of our organizations makes it much more complex. But it is worth looking at because it's one of those things that if you could, if we can figure it out, and if we can work with uh, the cities and the provinces and the and the government, maybe there is a way to do this. Maybe there is a way to 
play some really cool football this year. And I, I'll bet you it's going to be different. Whatever we decide to do in 2020, uh, if we can do it, it's going to be totally different than anything we've seen before. But, uh, you know, our responsibility and obligation to the fans is to give it a good try. And if we can't do it, we've got to be able to look our fans in the eyes, our players in the eyes, our coaches, and say we did everything we could. We did everything we could to figure it out. And, uh, and we just couldn't make it work. But we're going to give it a, we're going to give it an honest try. Now, you mentioned the fans. That leads us to the next question. Uh, how are you and the team is working together to determine the idea of social distancing, you know, at a CFL stadium? Is that uh, something you're looking into as well? We are, yes. So a lot of it, you know, uh, I mean, kind of the six, the six foot rule is um, largely being applied everywhere, right? That's the, that's the standard for social distancing. And so we've been, um, we've had a couple of the, the teams just kind of bring in, a, you know, an engineer who could look at the configuration and uh, they give you some sense of what your, of what your capacity would be. It's actually more complicated than that. It's not just where people would sit and how many, how many, how many uh, empty seats between, between fans and how many empty rows between fans. But there's also the complexity of the various facilities. So Mosaic is very fortunate in that it's very open, right? So you have a lot of breathing room in Mosaic. And um, as you guys know, that's not true in all of our stadiums. You know, some of our stadiums are older. I think of McMahon as an example. Those concourses are not very wide and, and they don't give you the same kind of uh, they don't give you the same kind, bless you, uh, they don't give you the same kind of uh, flexibility. Uh, Investors Group Field in Winnipeg is the same. It's got a lot of flexibility. It's the, the concourses are wide. There's a lot of open space. So that's one of the things that uh, will be a factor in whatever decisions we make is not just uh, what the public health officials tell us, but the, the stadium configurations will have some impact, I believe on the decisions that we'll make going forward. How are rosters going to be dealt with if the 14 day mandatory waiting period is still in place for like injuries and replacing players on rosters? Well, Greg, again, you're now on about page five of the long list of things that are going to have to be, that are going to have to be decided. Uh, those things are going to have to be delved into. You know, we're, we're, uh, in some respects, the exercise today is literally not so much deciding anything, but it's gathering all the information that you would need in order to decide. Uh, because it's like every day there's another issue that, that surfaces around, okay, how, will we, how would we do this? So I think that that question, uh, again, it's the, one of the issues and challenges of our sport. Uh, injuries are obviously a factor and how would you deal with injured players and how might you replace those injured players? Greg, uh, again, uh, I think you did literally found item 16 on page five of a very long list. Now, financially speaking, we know the, the, the league is, is based off ticket revenue is a big portion of how the, the league makes money. Would it make more sense at some point to just say, you know what, we can't have a 2020 season and then focus on a 2021 season? 
Well, Alex, that's uh, something that we, we may have to ultimately uh, get to. Uh, right now, you know, the, the, with, um, you know, amongst the presidents, and again, Craig Reynolds has been, you guys don't know how lucky you are to have him. He is a real thoughtful contributor to, to the league and the, the management council. And there's so many of his colleagues that are leading in. And, and you know, we are, we are exploring everything. But one of those, one of those uh, potential options uh, is that we just simply say, look, it just doesn't work. Making the, you know, the, the financials don't work. Uh, and it's not just finances. It's dealing with the, with the inherent risks of, um, you know, trying to squeeze a season in. And, of course, everyone's talking about the potential for a second wave. And what happens, you know, what happens if COVID shows up in your locker rooms and, and what would you do? And, you know, we're not talking about a, uh, somebody, how did it said, uh, it, it, COVID is a contact virus and we play the ultimate contact sport. Uh, you know, offense and defensive linemen, you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but they kind of smash into each other a lot. And, uh, and I dare say these are some of the things we're going to have to think about, uh, and in, in how respect of how it all might play out. I, I know this, I've worked with the board of governors that love this league. I work with a group of owners that love this league. I've worked with a group of presidents who love it. I think we'll figure out what's best, but make no mistake about it. The number one priority is to figure out how to get through the crisis and into 21 and 22 and 23. And hey, yes, we, we can play this year, great. And we should. But nothing matters more than, than our ability, the four of us, to be at Mosaic in November of 2022, having a beer together, getting ready to watch a Grey Cup game. Because if, we, if we're doing that, that means we figured out how to get through to the other side. Is that an invitation to the commissioner's box? Uh, well, listen, I thought you were buying me a beer in the concourse. I, I Maybe we just got our wires crossed. Okay, either way. <laughs> Now, Mr. Ambrosi, fans have been talking about making, you know, they've already paid for season tickets. There's options to uh, obviously get refunded, but also to make donations to the league and to the team and, and just say, here, you know what, keep this and use this for operating. Is, is there any, any kind of plans with, with that going forward from the league side of things? Yeah, Alex, a great question. And first, I want to start by saying to every CFL fan who's um, – you know, a season ticket holder and has money on deposit. So many of them have said, you know, look at if you, you know, keep the money, leave it, I'll leave it till next year or turn, you know, use the money. Like we've, we've lived been overwhelmed by the generosity of our fans. Uh, but I should make a point. I think there are fans out there that are great lovers of our game, but they've been seriously disrupted by this virus. And I'd say to them, if they need their money, they should, they should ask the teams for it because we're, we all stand together. We stand with them in their time of crisis as CFL fans are standing with us. I think we should you know, say there are some of our fans that simply might not be able to afford to do that and they shouldn't be, we shouldn't think less of them. Uh, but we do have a couple of interesting ideas that are brewing in the background about how you know, we might tap into the love of this game, which we know is significant from coast to coast, from you know, in every corner of Canada, we're working on a couple of interesting ideas. So I'm going to tease you with that, that they're, 
there's some things out there that we've got in mind that we'll talk about in the, you know, in the days uh, ahead that I think will capture, you know, the attention of, uh, of our great CFL fans. So yeah, we are working on some thoughts. I can't uh, reveal anything tonight, but something I, I'm personally very excited about. Well, we look forward to hearing you uh, announce those. And uh, obviously, just like yourself, we're all kind of taking it day by day and seeing what happens with, uh, you know, 2020 and hopefully uh, some sort of a 2020 CFL season. Mr. Ambrosi, thanks for your time tonight here on the Pivots Podcast. We do appreciate it. Hey, guys, listen, thank you. And I am uh, appreciate your making time for me. And again, I can't thank you enough for your love of our game. And if I can, just a big shout out to, uh, to all of your listeners, all of your viewers. Uh, stay well. Be, um, you know, keep, stay out of harm's way to the best of your ability. And to all the first responders and healthcare workers and frontline workers, thanks to them for making sure that we've got uh, food in our, in our bellies. And that we're and that we're safe, and we and we live in the greatest country in the world. So, guys, thank you, and I look forward to uh, talking to you again sometime soon.